We Saved You a Seat is sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special health care needs and disabilities, as well as families who have children with a mental health or behavioral health diagnosis. Oklahoma Family Network provides families with emotional support, resource navigation, parent-to-parent engagement opportunities, and wants to ensure quality health care for all children and families by building strong and effective family professional partnerships. Welcome back to my conversation with Michelle as we continue to discuss prematurity and we begin specifically where we left off discussing some of the feeding challenges Michelle and Drew had, not only developmentally, but emotionally for Michelle as well. When we started bottle feeds, it was terrifying. Um, That was the hardest thing for him to get a hold of. He just could not, his little brain could not figure out the, what do they say? The The sex swallow breathe piece. Yeah. He could not figure that out. He could get that suck down and swallow it, but then he would just turn blue and he would set off all the alarms the entire time. Um, There was only one nurse that could feed him. And of course it was our mama bear primary nurse. Um, He was just ornery and a little toot and would not let anyone else feed him. I cried many tears, many tears, because I personally, you know, as a lower elementary school teacher, I'm around kids every single day. I have raised kids in my home. I worked in daycares through college. I have fed hundreds of babies and I could not feed my own child. The fear that was in me took so much to get over. Um, It took literally took weeks, a month for me to finally get comfortable to feed Drew. I've always just, you you know, when you think of feeding a baby, you just grab them in your arms and pop that nipple in there and they just know how to drink their bottle. That wasn't Drew. Um, I had to learn how to sideline feed him, which I had never experienced. Um, I had to learn how to pace feed, which I had no clue about. And so through tears, through sweat, I would just remember sitting in there, you know, postpartum, your body's all kinds of new and different. I would just sit there and just be drenched in sweat from the fear, from the nerves, from the excitement that, oh my goodness, we actually did two sucks where he followed the pattern. And, oh, it was so hard. It was one of the hardest experiences I've ever felt. Um, We thankfully had nurses that were amazingly patient with me, with Drew, and it took us a while. It took us, so he started eating when he was, he started taking bottles, excuse me, when he was the very beginning of December. That was his first bottle, and it took us almost a month and a half to get the pattern down to where he wouldn't be setting off all of his alarms. It was hard. It was very hard, but we got there. 
everyone thinks that suck, swallow, breathe is super easy and Natural. every baby comes knowing how to do it. And then it's like, oh, but they don't. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, so. Absolutely. And I, I think, again, it all comes back to, I was having a conversation the other day with a NICU mom and you think it's so easy and simple, but then your brain just takes a hold of it and you just overthink every little incident. And am I doing this right? Did I do this wrong? Did I cause this? And I've learned that you can't, you can't do that to yourself. You could beat yourself over and over thinking, well, why can I not feed my own child? Why, why, what am I doing? That is so hard. How do I make this easier? And you, you just can't think about all that. You just have to slowly day by day, hour by hour, bottle by bottle, ounce by ounce, figure it out. And we did, we did. And now he can't suck his bottles down (laughs) quick enough. (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, so now you guys are taking bottles. You're, you're ready to go home. Was it as simple as, all right, get in your car seat and you get to go home today. Woohoo. I guess tell us a little bit of those challenges because y'all did go home with monitors and and oxygen and and you didn't you didn't do the triple digit. Woohoo. But you did have challenges. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. Yes, we it got about a week, two weeks before our due date, where we realized that Drew really struggled taking his bottles that he needed the oxygen even though it was low flow and under one liter he still needed that to help him breathe through his bottle feeds and so our primary nurse she said you could be in here months longer if you want him to go home not on oxygen it could take him months longer to figure this out without needing oxygen on. And so we decided we don't want to do that. And so she thankfully pushed us into voicing that we felt comfortable going home with Drew on oxygen and monitors, which would then help us when he did have episodes during his bottle feeds that we would know how to handle it. And so thankfully with her encouragement, we knew that it was nerve wracking and scary and very just foreign um, ground that we were about to step into being at home without our, our NICU family. But we felt like they had taught us so much and had prepared us so much that we, we were going to be able to do this. And so about a week, a couple of days before our due date, we decided, okay, everything else kind of is checking out okay with him. Let's see if we can, we can try this. And so we ended up waiting all day long the day after his due date. We sat there all day long waiting on the equipment to come in. And I begged my husband, please just take off today. Come sit with us. We'll be able to go home and we'll have this huge celebration that Drew's finally able to go home. And we ended up having to wait hours and hours and hours, which looking back on it now, 
it was good time to just sit with our nurse who we ad- absolutely adored. Um, I, of course, would tell her, oh, this may be your last time changing a diaper. You better do it this time because I've got years ahead of me for this. Why don't you change this diaper one more time? And so she would laugh and do it. And then I'll say, okay, well, this might be your last time feeding him. So she would feed him his bottle the next round. And it was just comical. I mean, we just had laughs and just sat and talked and enjoyed each other. And then about seven o'clock that night, we finally got the equipment. And of course, it was right around shift change. So that was a whirlwind. Um, the shift change of the nurses trying to come in and do rounds. And we finally got our equipment and our nurse walked us out and we got in the car and it was dark outside. This was in January. Um, we got to go home and my family they all camped out at our house and I had my sister-in-law and my mom was there and we kept it just us at first. Um, but they were there and they were able to hold him and our girls were able to meet Drew for the first time. Um, he was 99 days old and they were able to finally meet their little brother. So that in itself was amazing. But so we ended up going home on oxygen. He needed oxygen from January until March and right around a week before spring break, um, our pulmonologist decided, hey, let's try this. Let's just take him off and let's see if he can do this. And since then, we've been oxygen free from all those tubes and wires and monitors and compressors and everything else so which has been amazing so which we didn't even talk about the holidays that you guys shared in the unit um obviously him arriving in um october and not being discharged until january you spent thanksgiving and christmas um with him there in the hospital yeah and new year yeah Mm -hmm. in the hospital I know we're going back a little bit but why don't you talk about some of those emotions and and having being separated because those are big holidays those are Mm -hmm. big holidays to not be have him with you yes um Halloween was our very first one and our nurse suggested we buy a Build-A-Bear costume for him to wear. So being the teacher in me, I started searching and found a little red crayon that he could dress up to be for Halloween. And it was darling. He was still on the ventilator. So our pictures then are hard to look at. But then I look back and think, wow, we've grown so much since then. Um, We have put now have put his first costume on a bear that he currently rolls around on the floor trying to eat every part of that, <laughs> which is so exciting, but it w- it was hard. I remember I would sit all day with him. And then that evening I went back with our older girls and their cousins that live here in our same town. And we went trick-or-treating and I remember the heaviness on my heart knowing we're not all together. Yeah. It feels like we're together, but we're not part of us just wants to be at the NICU with Drew. And even though he has no memory, he was sound asleep and comfy in his isolate that he had no regrets of the, the holiday. It just was hard on, on my heart. 
Um, so then moving forward, our nurse, our primary nurse and I decided, you know what, these holidays, we're going to find the joy in them. So I decided to find silly, fun, knitted hats for every single holiday from then on in the NICU. And we would have a photo shoot every holiday and it was hard leaving, but the moments when we were in there, for instance, on Thanksgiving, I, my whole family came to our house to have Thanksgiving because they knew I wouldn't want to leave town and travel that I would want to be here so I could go up to the hospital and visit Drew. And that early, early morning, I knew I wanted to go see him first thing in the morning before I saw my family because I would just be, my heart would just be so sad if I wasn't able to see him before I saw everyone else. So I got up super early that morning, got coffees for all of us in the, in his room and came in with his little turkey hat and his little Thanksgiving onesie, because by then he was finally wearing clothes and we dressed him up and several of the nurses in the pod that we were in, we just come in and just giggle and laugh at his fun little hat and crack jokes. And those memories are what I just think back on when it comes to those holidays, because it was hard, but we truly felt we wanted to make the most of it and enjoy our time. Yeah, it wasn't where we wanted to be, but we made the most of it together there. We did the same thing at Christmas. That was the hardest thing, experiencing Christmas, because we thought initially when we had Drew, we thought, by December, we'll have him home by December. And when Christmas came and he was still struggling to, to take down his bottles and get off oxygen, we knew that wasn't going to happen. So that was very sobering to realize that he wasn't going to be home for Christmas. Uh, I remember taking a picture with my, our girls and Jace and our dogs in our living room our family Christmas photo and we had to have our youngest girl hold a picture of Drew so he could be a part of our family Christmas photo. And it's, it brings tears to my eyes just thinking of it now that he wasn't with us on that, on that important holiday with us. And, but we made the most of it. We, brought a teeny tiny Christmas tree and decorated inside his NICU. I put up pictures of our girls everywhere on his windows and I found little milestone cards that I would write on and put up all over his NICU room. I brought a little nativity scene and put it down at the bottom of his tree and one night through the night some of the night nurses had a grand old time <laughs> wrapping him up, putting him next to little baby Jesus next to the Christmas tree and took photos and sent them to me through the night. And those are pictures I will forever cherish because of their sweet thoughtfulness to even do something so fun. And they just giggled and laughed and hearing them on the videos. It just, I knew he was in great hands. I, I knew he was having the best time <laughs> with his nurses. So that was fun. That was fun. New Year's came and 
we had a little party here at our house with my sister-in-law and her girls. They're six years old and our girls. And we played games that evening. And I just kept remembering, I wish I could be at the NICU celebrating the new year with him. But then I had the pull that I needed to be home with my girls. And so we did celebrate here, which was so hard. It was so hard. And I do not wish that on anyone. It just, you want your, you want your baby with you. You want your babies with you. So you do, you feel tugged in both directions. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, I forgot to tell you, we, my husband, we joke that he is a Grinch when it comes to the Christmas season. So of course I had to find a big Grinch knitted hat for Drew to wear. And it was about the size of his body. (laughs) It was way oversized. And it had this huge green pom-pom poofiness at the top for the Grinch's hair. And we had the best time putting it on him and having a photo shoot in the NICU. Those are some of my favorite pictures of Drew that I just, it's just fun. He was a Grinch for his dad. I'll have to get some of those photos. (laughs) (laughs) So the, we are, so you've made it through the holidays. You're now getting him home. We've talked about the transition home, how he's on oxygen. The doctor tried to, you know, was able to kind of remove some of that starting in March. It is, I, I cannot leave this conversation without you also addressing some of those ups and downs of bringing him home during the COVID season during, I mean, because you were in, you brought him home in January, the height of not only COVID that year, because I mean, that was when we got COVID was during the new years of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, so COVID RSV flu, all of that was kind of the trifecta of all illnesses at that moment. So did you have some of those challenges bringing home a baby that was not, a, was a micro preemie and, um, and experiencing some of that? And how did y'all deal with that? I think it was very challenging for our extended family to meet Drew. We did a lot of porch meet and greets where some of Jace's cousins would come and they would just look through the glass front window and we would hold Drew up to show them as much as we wanted them to come in and hold him. We knew that just wasn't smart because due to his chronic lung disease and his micro preemie days that we just wanted to keep him as safe as we could. So we did a lot of face FaceTime Zooms. We did come meet Drew, but from afar, wear masks, double masks. That was very hard. We sadly, as safe as we were, Drew ended up getting COVID. We were probably within, I would say a couple of months of being home and our pediatrician who is phenomenal direct admitted us into the hospital and we spent a weekend on the peds floor when Drew had COVID to do an infusion to just give him the best opportunity to not struggle and get back on any kind of oxygen support. And so he was a trooper and we did the infusion over the weekend and we were able to come home and he really did great with it. About a month later, we got RSV. We again, were very grateful that he had a pretty smooth 
go at it. Um, we were able to do the RSV vaccine, the shots monthly, which I believe that that kept his symptoms mild because he was able to do those shots. Um, we did, thankfully, because we came home on oxygen, had a nurse, um, a home health nurse come and visit our house every week. And then we spaced it out to two weeks once he was doing fine. So that in itself was tremendous help to have somebody come and have another set of eyes on my child to know that, yes, this is okay. Yes, he's growing and they would check his weight. And that just was amazing support. And so I highly recommend, it was fearful letting people into our house, but I highly recommend if you have the opportunity when you do discharge from the NICU to just take that leap of faith and trust the nurses that are able to come in and keep an eye on your baby. That was very helpful. Um, they were a phone call away if I needed, if I had any questions or, hey, he woke up 10 times through the night, what's going on? And they were able to talk me off the ledge half of the time. Um, so that was very nice. Uh, within the year, so Drew is 13 months old now. He has had COVID twice now. He has had RSV. He has had, I think we're on our third or fourth ear infection. So we have gotten through all of the things. And, you know, they warned us, they said, you know, he's going to get everything this first year due to him just being a micro preemie. He is susceptible to get everything. And it's very true. It is happening. Um, he is one strong little dude. He just keeps trucking along, even though he's got boogers coming out of his nose and gunk coming out of his ears, he's still going. <laughs> And sucking down his bottles, which is what we're grateful for. But yes, it, it's been very hard. I even now have moments where, goodness, can't we just catch a break? This is exhausting. Why can't we be healthy? Why, why every little thing, it just is hard. But then I remind myself, it could always be harder. It really could. And he's healthy he's happy and he is thriving. He really is. He's up to 24 pounds now. He does not look like your average preemie, let alone a micro preemie. He is massive. He is wearing 24 month clothes and in size five diapers. He is a big boy. So I know we must be doing something right <laughs> with him. <laughs> I love it. He's growing and just thriving and just able to, um, as I say, those bottles mean, mean the world to that boy, don't they? So, <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I know there's a lot of other things that we could definitely talk about, but I do not want to miss the opportunity to talk about his big sisters. And I think I, you've given me permission and you, you've said that your girls are, are, it's very much part of your story. And you, you've already mentioned that Drew was your first pregnancy. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about his big sisters? They're, they're amazing. And they didn't get to meet him until he was 99 days old. Um, but tell us a little bit about that journey to, to make them, you know, big sisters with Drew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are my middle brother's girls. 
the oldest was about nine years old and decided she no longer wanted to be in that current situation. And she voiced that she wanted to come and live with her TT, which is what she started calling me when she was really itty bitty. I've been in their lives their whole life. I was there at the hospital when they were both born and they are just part of me. And thankfully now they are my girls. They, the oldest moved in with us right after Christmas when she was nine and she is 15. So they are growing. They are, they have changed so much through this whole journey But so I, we, my husband and I went to court and we were able to get guardianship over our oldest when she was around nine. Um, And then our, her younger sister, my other niece, it was quite a battle to have her um, come with us through, we went through our tribal courts. The girls are also... Um, tribal. And so we did go through the tribal courts and the judge realized that we had the older sibling. And so he granted guardianship over the younger sibling. And so she came to live with us about six months later than her older sister. And they have been with us since then. We've had lots of trauma that we've had to work through with both of them, especially the younger one. So we've had to navigate that course with her. Um, She now is a happy, healthy 11-year-old. She just absolutely adores Drew, and she's one of the only ones that can get him to belly laugh so hard. He loves her. So... I'm, you know, we have those conversations now. It it was very hard when I first got pregnant because we had to introduce a new child to our household. And, you know, for any mom, you probably have experienced that with any of your children bringing in a new baby. We thought it would be very hard for our youngest, but it actually was the hardest on our teenager. Um, She, for the first, oh, I would say four or five months did didn't want anything to do with him. Um, She felt like she was replaced and we had to have some hard conversations and lots of tears and hugs and just crying. And now she just, uh, he lights up. She lights up when he comes in the room. So we've thankfully gotten past those. And we have decided as a family that, you know, there are girls and they are siblings. And so we call them brother and sister and they are our daughters slash nieces and they get the best of both worlds. I tell them, you know, you don't live with your mom and dad, but you have two mom and dads now. Like you are so lucky to have a double set of parents. And so... Yeah, it's it's been it's it hasn't always been easy. We've had lots of hard times, but we're very grateful that they are ours. And very worth it. Very, very, very worth it. Absolutely. Well, it's it is also um I mean, I kind of feel like you have a a great um 
month of November with a Prematurity Awareness Month, with Native American Maternal Health Month, and then with Adoption Awareness Month as well. And while I know y'all have not uh, legally adopted, they are very much your girls and they are very much part of your home. And so um, I think that, I think that they, yeah, they are your girls and they are, are Drew's big sisters. So I, I just yeah. love every part of that. And I appreciate you sharing a little bit about that, um, that awareness piece to, to this piece as well. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you just have a beautiful family, a beautiful family story. You have an amazing journey through so many, um, so many facets of just various ways that y'all became a family and it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. So I really appreciate you sharing a little bit of that and tell your girls, thank you so much for allowing you to share a piece of that journey. Sometimes talking about hard things, you know, I want people to know that it's okay to talk about hard things and absolutely we need to give people permission to have some conversations that, you know, just be curious, be learn, tell me more, tell me more about your culture. Tell me more about your, um, and I love the fact that y'all were able to go through the tribes, you know, for, um, the, the guardianship piece. Yeah. And I, I just feel like, you know, you go through these journeys in life to share with others. You truly do. And I will be the first one to say, when I first started our NICU journey, I searched on the internet. I tried to find every article, every story, every podcast of those that have gone through this journey. And I wanted to hear people's stories. And I know now that we've been through it, it's so crucial for us to share our stories because you can learn from them. And not only learn, but you can just have sympathy and know you're not alone. You have somebody that, oh yeah, have felt this, that know exactly you sitting, pumping in the middle of the night, missing your baby that's in the NICU. I have been there and you are not alone. So it, it is very important to share your story and be an open book. There are so many of us that can relate to one another if you have the courage to share your story. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Saved You a Seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions, advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource in health care of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family or get in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network at oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405 271-5072.